Welcome back to the Daily Poem here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. Today's poem is by Henry Howard, Earl of Surrey. He was an English nobleman, politician, and poet, and was a Renaissance poet. In fact, he was one of the key elements in Renaissance poetry. And he was the first cousin of both Queen Anne Boleyn and Queen Catherine Howard, the second and fifth wives of Henry VIII. So there was a, a lot of drama going on in his family. He lived from 1516 or 17 to 1547. They don't know exactly when he was born based on the research that I did. But the poem that I'm going to read today is from his translation of the Aeneid. I mentioned in a podcast, I think last week, that Henry Howard was one of the inventors of blank verse in English, that he took it from Italian in, in, in during the Renaissance period. He brought it to English and harnessed its power in our language. So I wanted to read a selection of that uh, famous passage from his translation of the Aeneid. It goes like this. It was then night. The sound and quiet sleep had through the earth the wearied bodies caught. The woods, the raging seas were fallen to rest. When that the stars had half their course declined the field twist, beasts and fowls of diverse hue, and what so that in the broad lakes remained, or yet among the bushy thicks of briar lay down to sleep by silence of the night, can swage their cares, mindless of travels past. Not so the sprite of this Phoenician, unhappy she, that on no sleep could chance, nor yet night's rest enter an eye or breast. Her cares redouble, love doth rise and rage again, and overflows with swelling storms of wrath. I mentioned last week when uh, in, when mentioning blank verse that blank verse often, uh, because of its lack of rhyme, has enjambments throughout its throughout its lines, so it makes it more possible. And Henry Howard uses that to great effect here in this translation, but he doesn't overuse it. Sometimes when you read um, lesser poets use blank verse. It's used so often that its effect becomes muted. But he has plenty of lines in this, uh, in this poem, in, these, in, these, well, in these, this translation, that do not end with enjambment. In fact, most of them don't end with enjambment. But there's a couple that do, that, that do incorporate enjambment into it. And there's three in particular that are quite interesting to me. First, there's the beginning. The first line, it was then night, colon. So there's this like seizure there. It was then night. The sound and quiet sleep, end of line, had through the earth the wearied bodies caught. I mean, that's a lovely, lovely uh, bit of blank verse. It fits the form, um, but but some of the drama is taken by that enjambment there, is, is brought in by the enjambment there. I could see that line being written not in the 1500s, but in the 1900s. You know, Robert Frost could have written that line. It was then night. The sound and quiet sleep had through the earth the wearied bodies caught. It also sounds like Shakespeare, of course, and like, you know, last week I read uh, Julius Caesar's Act Three, the, the Mark Antony speech, which is blank verse as well. And then the fourth line. When that the stars had half their course declined, the fields whist. <laughs> Semicolon, beasts and fowls of diverse hue and, and so forth. When that the stars had half their course declined, 
the field's whist. Now, whist is a card game from many, many years ago, but I believe here he, this is whist as in silence. Um, mutedness, I believe, is what that means. I did it. I looked it up. That's the best thing that I could come up with there. That that, that, that means I was not familiar with that word. So interestingly, both the times that the enjambment are used so far are both about silence. The sound and quiet sleep head through the earth, weary the uh, the wearied bodies caught. So the silence catching the wearied bodies, and then here we get when the stars had half their course declined, the fields mute, muted, something like that. I love these these kind of themes popping up. I don't know that it's on purpose per se, but I don't know that it's not on purpose. And then the next time we get it, about seven or eight lines, or yet among the bushy thicks of briar laid down to sleep by silence of the night. That's fascinating. Again, all three times in Jamin are used. It's about silence, sleep, weariness. And thematically, the poetic irony is wonderful there because in Jamin is the sense of continuation going from one line to the next so so by the time you get to the line if all the other lines have a sense of stoppage at the end of them of completion then these three lines when he's talking about silence are made powerful because you yourself have this sense of weariness in in reading them in in reciting them especially when you read it out loud it takes a bit more effort to go from one line to the next without that stop without that breath so i love the the uh the objective correlative that's at work here by henry howard in, in this poem, using enjambment and using the form of, of blank verse so powerfully. So one more time, here is Henry Howard, Earl of Surrey's uh, translation of the Aeneid, or at least a portion of it. It was then night. The sound and quiet sleep had through the earth the wearied bodies caught. The woods, the raging seas were fallen to rest. When that the stars had half their course declined, the fields whist. Beasts and fowls of diverse hue, and what so that in the broad lakes remained, or yet among the bushy thicks of briar laid down to sleep by silence of the night, can swage their cares, mindless of travels past. Not so the sprite of this Phoenician, unhappy she that on no sleep could chance, nor yet night's rest enter an eye or breast. Her cares redouble, love doth rise and rage again and overflows with swelling storms of wrath. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another one.